listening to Speak Out Loud, stories of strength from the Southern Downs, a community project sharing stories of strength and resilience, as well as information about mental health and wellbeing that supports our communities impacted by the 2019 and 2020 bushfires. Tune in for conversations with local residents and health and community workers who generously share tips, strategies and resources to support your recovery journey. In the spirit of reconciliation, we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. I'm your host, Catherine Walton a mental health social worker based on the Southern Downs in Southern Queensland. I'm so pleased to bring this podcast to you, which has been supported through funding from the Darling Downs and Westmorton PHN. Today we're talking about the role of the Disaster Recovery Team with Arlene Muscadri from Queensland Health. In this conversation, Arlene explains the role of the disaster recovery team in the Southern Downs region, the effect of events such as bushfires on mental health, the strengths that people on the Southern Downs have drawn upon to manage the layers of stresses that we've experienced over the past few years, including drought, bushfires and COVID-19 practical things that you can do to strengthen your mental health throughout your recovery journey, signs that you are managing your recovery journey okay, warning signs to look out for if you or someone you know is not travelling along so well, what you can do if you're concerned about your own mental health or the mental health of someone else, Services provided by the Disaster Recovery Team, including who can access the services and how to go about it, and where to go for more information or help. Arlene also leaves us with her top three takeaways or tips to strengthen your mental health. Hello, Arlene, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Catherine. Wondering if you could give our listeners a bit of an overview of what role the disaster recovery team has in the Southern Downs region. Okay. So um, basically the disaster recovery team was established in response to the 2019 East Queensland bushfires. It was provided by joint funding from the Commonwealth Government and the Queensland Government. Um, Yes, other factors like the drought and COVID-19 have contributed significantly to the impact of mental health of our local communities. And our mental health disaster recovery recognises this and takes the big picture view when working with local communities. And basically, um, we provide clinical care and medical support to people that have been affected. So that's what our role is. Okay. And um, those bushfires that we had across the region in 2019, and we actually had some in early 2020 Mm -hmm. as well, so it's been just over a year since that last fire. 
Um, these fires have impacted people in so many different ways, either directly or pretty much all of us indirectly as well. Could you share with our listeners what some of the mental health impacts have been? Yes. So um, in us, um, in our local community, people have experienced some hypervigilance. So quite often if they smell smoke at all, it starts an anxiety trigger for them. Um, some people have gone on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder after losing homes and caring for wildlife. That was a really big impact. Um, some young children have regressed in their development due to the trauma um, of being evacuated. Um, elderly people have endured grief and loss after losing some lifelong possessions. Some have developed a generalised anxiety disorder due to stress around the fires and financial losses and the fear of being caught in fires. Um, other things that have developed is we've had people with depression, people that have had increased anger and irritability. Um, there's been an increase in alcohol use, some in drug use, not being able to cope with it. Um, people have experienced poor sleep, poor appetite. Um, some have de developed musculoskeletal pain from the stress and the anxiety of, of worrying all the time. Some people have gone on to experience panic attacks as soon as they sell, smell smoke. Um, some have avoided friends and family, have started self-isolating. Um, I have seen some people that have self-neglected, not just been able to move forward after the fires um, and some relationship breakdowns. So there's some of the things that we've seen. So that fires. sounds like quite a range of physical, yeah. physiological, yeah. the emotional and the social impacts. That's right. Catherine has been, yeah, yeah. very much so. And it's so easy for us to focus on all those things that have been problematic. Um, but when we look at it, our region has really had quite a few tough times to deal with over the last few years. There's been some severe drought across the region. There's been COVID as well as the bushfires Correct. just before that. And even more recently, earlier this year, we had some flooding in some areas. We um, did which was quite a surprise. Um, so I'm just wondering what strengths do people across the Southern Downs have? Because it is easy for us to focus on all the problems, but in having dealt with all those tough times, what strengths do you think are helping people to manage all these situations? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I saw in our community was the um, development of the Granite Belt Water Relief, which was established by Russell and Samantha Watling. From that water relief, it was identified as people were coming in for the water, um, that people were having trouble feeding themselves, they didn't have stock feed, um, they weren't able to pay electricity bills. Samantha and Russell identified that really. And so that allowed establishment within the community to, put, to support those people experiencing those things. Um, and I think that was a really, really good thing. You know, with the water relief, we had stock not having water. So Russell identified that, not just water for general use, but also that we needed stock water and he established all of that. And that allowed people to keep some of their stock and, and pets alive. So it was a huge thing. And I saw that was a great development. And I think that's been great for the community. And this type of support, so enduring that sort of sort of support that Russell and Samantha were able to establish, I think that that supported people with their mental health. So it was a place for people to go and have a chat um, to get access to, to basic human needs, you know, to, to our um, food and water. So I think that was a really good impact and I saw that and it allowed the community to come together and um, 
give to others if that's, you know, people that were better off than others. It allowed them to give and it gave it anonymously. So it was an area to go and give stuff without people knowing who it was coming from or community members being embarrassed about having to access services. It was just somewhere to go. It was a great initiative that was established. So it sounds like giving and receiving has been an important part of recovery in those initial stages. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has been. It is a very essential thing. And recovery after a disaster is often described as a journey because it doesn't stop as soon as the disaster has finished. And that initial response is usually focused on crisis management. It's focused on survival. And then we start to look at rebuilding and planning for the future, which I think is really, really important. Could you share your ideas, Arlene, with us or or some suggestions on some practical things that people can do to strengthen their mental health while they're on their own personal mental health recovery journey? I agree. I think one of the essential things is to engage with family and friends, not to be isolated. Um, joining local group support groups like the Men's Shed and now we have a ladies, it's called the She Hives Ladies Shed as well. So there's a support group for ladies as well at Stanthorpe. Um, volunteering in organisations like Meals on Wheels or St Vincent. So giving, that always helps our own mental health if we give to others. Um, ensuring that we have good sleep hygiene. So having good sleep is absolutely essential to any recovery. Um, good diet and exercising, so even engaging in the park run, so that allows you socialisation and it's a physical activity. Um, seeking help early, so, you know, engaging with your GP if you're not doing well, um, engaging with local mental health services and, of course, the disaster recovery team if that's needed, um, and really to avoid any alcohol or drugs, yeah, is what I would suggest. And everyone does travel on that recovery journey at their own pace, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And and also in their own way. So what suits one person might not be so beneficial for another person. So how do we know if we're travelling along that journey okay? What are the signs we should be looking out for? Okay, so things that if you're travelling well, you are sleeping well, you're not having ruminating thoughts, you're um, socialising with people and, and are active in community activities. Um, you're having future plans, so you are planning for the future. Um, your relationships are intact. You're not having relationship issues. Um, you're attending work and you're physically well and not engaging in, and engaging in physical activities. And, and, and as I said, a quiet mind. I think if that's, that's good, then you're, you're doing well. And looking at what the warning signs are that things aren't going so well, that we're not travelling along so well, or, or maybe some warning signs that somebody we know isn't travelling so well on their recovery journey. What should we be looking for there? Okay. So signs and symptoms of that is people that are experiencing difficulties in their relationships can be a sign. You are experiencing poor sleep or memory loss. That's a really big thing if you're experiencing that. You've got poor appetite or you're overeating. Um, You're using alcohol to excess or drugs. Um, You're becoming more angry and irritable. Um, and, you know, other people are identifying that, that you're very angry and irritable. Um, you're having racing thoughts when trying to go to sleep, like you're ruminating about things and you're not able to go off to sleep. You, you're waking early in the morning, two or three. You know, if you're waking up and not able to sleep, they're early signs. Nightmares is a really bad thing. Poor self-care. So if, you you know, you're not showering like you were and 
one of the things I've always identified is cleaning the teeth. I know that sounds, but that's a really big sign that people are not doing so well, that you've got an ongoing low mood or depression, um, not engaging in physical activities at all, um, prolonged physical illnesses can be another sign that things are not going, not tending work regularly, you know, calling in sick a lot, um, and financial concerns or gambling. Yeah, can identify um, that they, that you're not travelling so well. So there are quite a few signs there that we could be looking out for. Absolutely, yeah. If someone is concerned about their own mental health, their, their own well-being, or if they're concerned about somebody else, what can they do? Okay, if, if you have concerns about someone else, then one of the things that you could do is approach the person in a very safe way and a, um, a good environment so you can approach the person and, and you can have that conversation. Are you doing okay? One of the things you've got to remember is to listen to them in a non-judgmental way. That's extremely important. You've got to encourage them to seek appropriate professional services and help, such as the disaster recovery team or local mental health or a GP or a psychologist. Very important. The other thing that you need to do is to encourage them to stay engaged with their family and friends. Very important if you think someone's travelling not so well. And, of course, if you're really concerned about their safety or other safety, then you would call the ambulance or police if you're really that concerned. So there are some great tips there. Thanks for that, Arlene. Um, you mentioned that the disaster recovery team is one of the options that mm. people can access That's for great. support. Could you tell us a little bit more about just what the disaster recovery team does do? So yeah. who can access the service and, and how they do that and what those referral pathways are? And also whether there's a time limit or a session limit and if there are any costs involved. No worries. It is an absolute free service to anybody. We do individual therapy sessions. Um, we are community engaged, so we attend a lot of community events. Um, we provide psychoeducational workshops. We support and educate clinicians and other professionals. Um, we link people with appropriate services in their recovery. We offer a very free confidential counselling service to people affected. Um, we work with the community to prepare for future events, disasters and build strength. Um, our referral pathways, uh, people can self-refer it all at all times. You can ring us. It can be done through your GP, can be through family and friends, can be through community organisations um, that are aware that we're there, can be schools. Um, and government departments, for example, um, Kim's Mental Health or, you know, the emergency department at any time. So, yeah, and that can be done through an email and we've got a contact phone number that people are able to access for that. Would you like to share that contact um, email or, or phone yes. number with us now? And we'll also put that in the show notes and in the handout that will be available for people to access um, aside from this audio podcast. That would be great. So our contact phone numbers, we have two. One is 0407333118 and my phone number, my contact phone number is 0448587326. Our email is disasterrecoveryprogram.ddhhs@health.qld.gov.au. And I just want to add the call 
um, MH All Call, call number is 1300 MH Call, and that's 1300 642 Some of those emails get quite long, don't they? They do. They do get very long, and <laughs> so you have we, to think. And so we will include that in that handout. That would be great. And I'm also thinking that if somebody's listening to this podcast right now, but um, they're thinking that they'd like to go somewhere to get some help, but they can't remember the name of your team or where would you suggest that they go? Well, they can call um, 1300-MH-CALL. That gives you 24 hours access at all times. You can call Lifeline and Financial Counselling, of course, on 13 11 14. You can contact Domestic Violence Helpline and that's on 1800 811 811. Of course, you can make contact with Beyond Blue, um, your GP, a private psychologist, the local mental health service, um, AODS, if that's an in- so that's alcohol and other drugs, and that's one eight hundred one double seven eight double three. There's gambling hot helpline. There's men's line, and it's thirteen hundred seven eight nine nine seven eight. There's parent line which is 1300 301 300, Kids Helpline, and it's 1800 551 800. And, of course, we have Suicide Callback Service, which is 1300 659 467. So many resources out there in the Very community. So. And really there's, there's so many places that people can go for support that mm-hmm. it's most important that people are aware that they're there and it maybe doesn't matter exactly where they start but just starting somewhere yeah making one of those calls or accessing their gp as you mentioned and i think for community members Catherine, it is just if you see someone not traveling well to have that conversation to say are you okay and can we help you know as i said in a very private you know you wouldn't do it in a public arena but definitely if you see someone traveling to sit down there with them privately and ask them are they okay and encourage them to seek help early. That's very essential, seek help early. Arlene, could you share with us a typical scenario or a story of someone who might access your service? That's correct. So community, um, so some of the stories that we share, we've had community members that have been very impacted by caring for the wildlife and that's caused them to have a lot of trauma. So those people have accessed our service. And one of the traumas was the inability to have financial help to support the animals. So we were able to direct them to get some funding to be able to support their natural wildlife that they were experiencing. Um, we've had children that uh, unfortunately, be, due to the evacuations that went on, had, had regressed. So we were able to contact them, we engage them with Kimin's um, commi- uh, Kim's, which is Children Mental Health for Service. So we're able to engage them with that. And of course, some people have come just with generalised anxiety um, brought on via that fear of, of the smell of smoke. And so they access their local mental health service to help with that. So we've covered quite a bit around this mental health recovery journey mm. following the bushfires. Is there anything else about mental health recovery or services or supports that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't caught in our conversation today so far? I think for people to realise that they're not alone um, and that to seek help early is better better, and um, is better for you and enables your recovery to be faster. 
Um, all professional services are confidential um, and allow others to help. You know, allow, allow people to help you. It's okay to accept help and to realise that you're not isolated and on your own. There is help out there and people want to help. And that goes back to that giving and receiving that we chatted about a few minutes ago. That's correct. So yeah. important. It is important. Yeah. So to sum up, Arlene, what are your top three takeaways or tips that you'd like to share with our listeners that can strengthen mental health on their personal recovery journey? Okay. Attend own self-cares first before attending to others' cares. That's very essential. You have to look after yourself before you look after others. Identify early signs and seek help early, essential to recovery. And staying connected with family, professionals and staying engaged with supports uh, within the local community and attending events. So I think they're the three, three things that I'd like people to take away. You've been listening to Speak Out Loud, stories of strength from the Southern Downs a community podcast supporting the mental health recovery journey of the people in the Southern Downs region in southern Queensland following the bushfires of 2019 and 2020. If you go to the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to a handout which includes a summary of the episode with the top three takeaways or tips, as well as the services and the resources that we referred to. The handout is free for you to read, download and print if you wish to. You can also find this podcast, the show notes and the handouts by going to www.katherinewalton.com.au. That's www.katherinewalton.com. If you found benefit in this episode, I'd love it if you could let your friends know about it so we can share this valuable health and well-being information with everyone who can benefit from it. 